Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week and this week we're going to do things a little bit differently. At the weekend Sam and I travelled to Rome to watch the Derby della Capitale in, well, partnership with our friends at New Balance and we watched one of the most incredible games of football we've ever been lucky enough and blessed enough to witness. Um, so before we do anything else, here's a super cut from the two of us at the Olympico during the game. Hello and welcome to the Ranks FC podcast. You may notice that the office sounds a little bit different, a little bit noisier than usual. That's because Sam and I are currently sat in the Stadio Olimpico. We hope you can hear us. We can see Lazio just unveiled an unbelievable TIFO. I think Roma are about to do the same. We're not going to give any predictions or anything like that at this point. We're going to keep you updated through the game as best we can from where we're sitting. But right now, this has just been absolutely remarkable, Sam, to watch. Yeah, welcome to Roma versus Lazio. Welcome to the capital and welcome to football in Italy. This is quite something. Jack and I have been sat in the Stadio Olimpico for basically about two hours, just in, just in the seats, and we've just watched it fill up. We were one of the first people to enter the stadium three hours before kickoff, and we've just kind of watched it unfurl, watched people filter in. At a certain point, a series of Lazio fans entered en masse. They were booed roundly by the Roma fans that had come in. The Lazio fans began chanting, and then Roma chanted back, and then Lazio booed them. Uh, it's been incredible to watch, incredible to listen to, incredible to experience. The teams are just walking out onto the pitch as we speak right now. The Serie A kickoff might be on time, Jack. Not often is. Might be on time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think it's all about to go down, especially in this Roma end. So we'll check in with you at half time and at full time. For now, well, we're just excited to watch this unfold. Roma scored after two minutes. <laughs> the place is just absolutely exploded. Like, I mean, there are actually things exploding, but <laughs> the place has just absolutely gone off. Corner hit the bar. Tammy just sort of need it home, but <laughs> Lazio and silenced. And the Curvasud is, well, just a mass of smoke and fire and flame at the moment. And all red and yellow is unbelievable. Hey, Roma had a, a pre match TIFO display of their own where they brought a huge white sheet down to signify their, their badge with a wolf on it and they left it up there for the first two minutes of the game. Anyone under that TIFO didn't see the goal? <laughs> he didn't see the goal! It's fine, I'm sure they all got replays, but they're absolutely loving it. The placards that were used for the display are now being waved around frantically, and Roma are in full voice. This is an amazing start to the game. Oh my God! Oh my God! 22 minutes on the clock, Sammy Abraham just whacked home a second. Such a good move from Roma. Patient play, Cristante picks out a really good pass to Mkhitaryan. He sets Karsdorp down the right, and Tammy whacks it home after a good low cross. And uh... announcers having a wonderful time and all. Look, I know Abraham has two goals, but 
the real MVP for me is this stadium announcer who is, is not going to have a voice in about 10 seconds if he carries on the way he's going. Like, amazing. This is incredible. It's just, it really, I was literally about to say to Sam, we should do a little thing to say the game's cooled down a little bit after such a hot start. And, but Roma just look like they're in complete control. There are moments of Lazio, but it just feels like, you know, this midfield duo of Cristante and Oliveira are running the show in there, sort of breaking everything down. And then Pellegrini is just so, so good. Yeah, the midfield duo, Oliveira and Costanza, I mean, these are two extremely experienced players. Oliveira, a new addition in January for Rover, but, I mean, he's, he's played his fair share of uh, high tents and high-stake affairs, right? I mean, he was central to Porto's victory over Juventus in the Champions League last season, and, look, I mean, he's played how many Classicos for Porto? I mean, this guy this guy lives under pressure. And Costante, um, <laughs> pains me to say, a Euro 2020 winner. I mean, he's done it on the biggest stage. He was brought on in that final to calm things down for Italy, and he did his job. So, from Jose, it's an experienced look, but it's a wise look so far. Just under 25 minutes gone, and Roma are two up. MVP is at it again on the microphone. I'm not talking about myself there, I'm talking about Roma's announcer. And that could only mean one thing, I'm sure you gathered from what you just heard. Lorenzo Pellegrini has just scored an absolute stunner. Free kick, how far out, Jack? 25 yards? 30. Yeah, don't know. I mean, every, fix, every free kick's 30 yards in a way, isn't it? But uh, I'd say about 25 yards out. Pellegrini just whips it round, right-footed, right side of the goal, rounded over the wall and into the top corner. Strakosha can do nothing. That was a piece of pure genius and it is 3-0 to Roma with 41 minutes on the clock. <laughs> I put an Instagram story up just a second before it started saying it was so far out I was like if Lorenzo Pellegrini bins this I'm going in the River Tiber for a dip and then he just binned it so it looks like looks like I have to go I'm gonna have to pop into the old uh, river that birthed this beautiful city this is amazing the captain the homegrown boy he just does it he just absolutely finds it it's beautiful and here goes Mkhitaryan oh he's in the bar <laughs> this is unbelievable this is this is the performance this is why I said Roma were gonna win the league now they haven't won the league obviously but this is why because they can do this, they're absolutely cooking. Half time here, it's 3 0, and it's just taken me a minute to sort of just catch my breath and just look at this, really. This has been a masterclass. It's obviously easy to get caught up in the, you know, the, the whole emotion of it all, but watching it and watching the highlights here in front of us, it's just been one way traffic. And McTyron hit the bar, obviously, you heard that live in the last bit. It's just been complete and utter control from Roman. Honestly, the Lazio end must have seven, eight thousand Laziale in there, and they've just been silenced. It, it was so loud before the game, and so incredibly atmospheric, and two sides giving it so large. I've rarely seen such a vociferous group of fans become so numb and silenced in such a short period of time, and. You know, Pellegrini being the one to come home the throw, the, you know, the narrative arc of all of it. 
it's just been incredible. Um, I just can't wait to see if Roma can keep this going in the, in the second half because they'll want to push home something here that's a, not only a statement victory in the league, but also something that could be a, a, a real statement of shifting power because Lazio have had the best of this derby of late. And it's going to be really interesting to see if they use this as an opportunity to push on or if Mourinho just goes, right, that's enough, sit tight. Um, can't wait to see what happens. So we're just over 15 minutes into the second half now and things have calmed down quite considerably. I mean, the last time Jack said that to me, uh, it was off the microphone and about a minute later Roma scored. So we'll see what happens. But Lazio have already made a change. Maurizio Sarri has swapped his right back. Steady Eddie El said Husai has come off and Manuel Lazzari, who's an absolute speed demon, has come on. Uh, throughout the game, Lazio have tried to work that particular flank because of the presence of Zalewski there at left wing back for Roma, who's a young one. But he's coped, he's coped really well. And Lazio have now rolled the dice a little bit and made a change to try and impact the game in some way. But to be honest, Roma are just managing this very, very well. We talked about that experience in midfield before. They've got it at the back too in Patricio and Chris Smalling, who's playing really, really well. There's a, a certain level of maturity and nerve and bottle to this Roma performance under the lights in front of the crowd that Lazio have lacked. And, and they've got it all to do, haven't they? Just under half an hour to go and uh, no signs of life just yet. That, as you can probably hear, is the full-time whistle. And our favourite announcer is about to have another go around this. Amazing. Um, just as Sam said, midway through that second half, it was just beautifully managed by Roma in so many ways. And, and ultimately what they've done here is, it's so professional, that second half. It, you know, Lazio, one chance maybe, nothing clear-cut. Tammy should have completed his hat-trick, he didn't. Um, but ultimately, the point is that they've done the business and ultimately, incredible. Um, and incredible scenes here in the Olympico. It's really quite special, really quite moving. Perfect start for Roma, gold after a minute and a half, two minutes. Second one quickly afterwards, three before half-time. Yes, Tammy should have had his hat-trick, he missed a one-on-one. -on -one. And Lazio really didn't offer very much. That was a quiet night's work for Rui Patricio. It's not something you want to be saying about a player in a goalkeeper position for a derby. So incredible for Roma, and they're lapping it up right now. The players are walking over to the ultras, whipping them up into a frenzy. The flags are flying, the scarves are out. The Lazio end is emptying pretty swiftly, and I don't blame them. Will not have been particularly impressed with what they saw today, but this is Roma's day, and it was an incredible game to watch. Well, as you can probably hear, we are no longer at the Stadio Olimpico and I have the honour to say that we are now joined by our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. DJ, welcome back. It's nice to have you looking at this game and we missed you at the weekend. Oh, I've missed out, haven't I? I have missed out big time. I'll tell you what, like New Balance coming up absolute trumps with these games they're sending us to, right? Like the Pulso game was a belter one we'll never forget. And now you two have gone to this, like... Don't, don't know where we go next. What What is next on the bill? Well, we're, we're, I think we're a good luck charm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just one of those things. I've actually seen Roma twice in my life. Um, the, this was the second time. The first time I saw them away at Bologna um, and Kolarov scored an absolute belter of a free kick at that one as well. So I think 
that means that I am the Roma lucky free kick charm. So uh, they should probably send me out every week. To Might be as well. Honest. It's, um, it is good. Right, Sam, we're going to do a ranking based around our experiences, throwing forward a little bit, talking about Roma, talking about Serie A, talking about those Champions League places, um, and, and kind of explaining everything that we learned across the course of this derby and beyond. So I'm going to throw to you and off we go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've basically prepared five things from Rome. Uh, we'll talk about the experience, uh, its impact on the city that we felt, the game itself, and then at the end, kind of throw it forward a little bit and talk about the rest of Rome's season as we get towards the sharp end. But I mean, first up, one thing that really struck us was what this game means to the city. And of course, it's a local rivalry, a derby. You know it's going to mean a lot, but being in Rome on Derby weekend is a genuinely incredible experience. And the fact that we were there from Saturday morning all the way through to the Sunday evening kickoff meant that we were able to witness what it means and the change in the mood, the change in the colours, the change in the emotions all the way through. And that we met Roma fans, we met Lazio fans, we even met a Lazio Ultra and more of that later on in the pod. But Bar owners, waiters, taxi drivers, they were all talking to us about the game. Saturday night was absolutely buzzing. You've got hopeful grins, kind of hopeful grimaces in, in equal parts from both sides. And then there's this really weird contrast where you go from Saturday night through to Sunday morning. And I know that like less happens on a Sunday morning just generally. And Rome being still a particularly religious city, uh, the home of the v- Vatican City, the Pope, and obviously the some would say the home of Catholicism. Yes, people have got stuff to do on Sunday before they go to the game. But the sense also, of... You've got, pr- you got to pray before the game because otherwise you might lose. Uh, exactly that. And yeah, that's about an hour's worth of work as well. So the centre of the city was completely and utterly deserted. Like we did about three hours of milling around, getting a bit of lunch, walking around, having a look at stuff. I saw one football shirt, right? This is Derby Day in the city. I was thinking it was going to be flooded with colours of of red and gold and of light blue and white. And I saw one football shirt. I didn't really see very many people at all. Now, as it happens, there is quite a good explanation for this. Many had decamped from the city centre and moved just outside up to where the Stadio Olimpico is. And it is a little bit further out of the city, probably, let's say, probably two or three miles uh, from from the sort of touristy areas. But And even before three or four hours before the game, this is where people had moved to. And we got a car up to the Olympico and we, we went from, where is everybody? To, oh, literally everybody is here in this like three square mile radius. And we saw some incredible scenes, loads of shirts and colors as we expected. We saw several hundred Lazio fans outside a bar whipping their scarves around and jumping up and down. This is like fully three hours before kickoff. Maybe more. Yeah, three and a half, maybe four hours. It was it was incredible. The atmosphere around that area was buzzing so far in advance. And we make our way through the gates or to the gates um, at the stadium. It's quite a mission. There's quite a lot of checkpoints. Uh, part of that is vaccine related. A lot of it is security related. There's more police than I've ever seen at a football match in my life. And the army is there as well. It does kind of remind you that, you know, this is a very, very fierce rivalry and they have to take it very seriously. But what an atmosphere to enter a game in and 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 what a setting to witness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dean, we, we saw in, in Porto the fact that there were people in Porto colours, even in sporting colours, milling around the city beforehand. And, you know, you and I and, and Sam as well, we've all been to plenty of rivalries and, and, and derbies down the years. We've seen... Cities divided, we've seen cross-city rivalries. And yes, there are some places where you go, right, I probably wouldn't wear colours today. But this was 
different. I've never seen anything quite like it in terms of the fact the one person that Sam saw wearing a shirt was an eight year old. That, that that's the the <laughs> truth of the matter. You know, it wasn't. It was there were not people in the center of Rome wearing shirts, and and that considering that you know just the night before. People have been quite happily telling you who they supported, which side of the fence they fell on, all of the above. And then suddenly for it to be like, okay, it's actually Derby Day now. It now matters. It was just something quite remarkable. And and I think that that's kind of probably different to anything I've ever experienced in, in my life at football. I want to know if you were actually as scared as you seemed when you set off on this trip because you were worried about like, well, I, I will wear a Roma shirt, yeah, but I'm, I'm going to have my tracksuit top on at all times. Maybe I'll quickly take it off for a photo. And you, uh, you were pretty nervous about going to this game. Yeah, I was. Um, I think this is it. Like, as you say, I've been to, I've been to plenty of like games. I've been to the Belgrade derby. I've been to some, you know, some big derbies. Yeah, it, it wasn't quite as scary, I, I think, as maybe I... It, it visions yet, and and there has been lots of games I've been to, and yeah, I've been to the Belgrade derby, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I've been to some scary derbies, but there was something about this that I had in the back of my throat. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, but I did wear my jumper, and I didn't really do anything apart from well, we were in the press box as well, so they were like no colours. So there's that element of things as well. You're not you're not really supposed to be wearing you know coloured shirts in in the press box area because it's meant to be. A neutral area is meant to be, you know, a place for, for work, really. Professionals. Um, so, so there's that element of it too. But yeah, I, I, look, I, w- I was nervous and I, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more later in the episode. Do you wish it, you'd it been, wasn't too bad. Do you wish you'd been behind the goal or are you ha- were you happy to be in that zone? It would have been an incredible experience to, to be behind the goal, I think. Um, but um, as Sam will probably tell you in his next bit, there, there were downsides to being behind the goal as well, most of which included the fact that the Ultras missed the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the next the next major point to talk about is is the atmosphere of the stadium itself and and, and the noise and the TIFOs and the banners and, and the colours. And uh, basically, we get to the point where it's about 4pm, so it's two hours before kickoff, and we are sat in our seats at the Olympico. We're basically dead on the halfway line and quite high up the stand so it's a brilliant tactical view um it's not the most uh the most generous in terms of atmosphere in terms of when you're in the thick of it but what it does give you is an amazing view of both sides of the stadium and it gives you the ability to see both the Roma fans and the Lazio fans building towards this occasion and you know two hours before kickoff Jack and I are not doing too much. We're, we're, we're updating the ranks Instagram story. We've filmed a couple of little pieces for New Balance and we've got a relatively free period and we're kind of looking at each other and going, well, what do you want to do? And we basically decided that we would sit still for two hours, more or less, and just watch everybody filter into the stadium and watch the atmosphere build. I'd say it was a, a pretty good choice in the end, Jack. Um, the first... Half an hour of that was a couple of thousand Roma fans, kind of, uh, they start to speckle the stands. Then, maybe half an hour after that, the first several hundred Lazio fans turn up in the away section, or well, for them, for Lazio fans, it's the it's their home section, because of course they, they share a stadium. And they sort of bleed out of the stairwell up into the stands, but they don't take their seats. They all stand in a line horizontally, having just come out of the stairwell, and just hurl abuse at the Roma fans from that position and stand and, and hold up banners. Of course, they get roundly booed by the thousands of Roma fans that are in there. And then more and more of these Lazio fans start to filter in. And at one point, we sort of turn around to each other and we are truly taken aback at just how many Lazio fans 
are in the stadium, we come to the realization that they have the entire end, the Cordova Nord, which is their ultra section. I've never seen an away contingent like this. Now, maybe I'm just a bit naive and I didn't know that this is how it's done and, you know, reverse the fixture and Roma get their Cordova Sud, their side, and they get it in full as well. But that is their territory. So it would make sense for the ultras to sit there. I just didn't expect to see quite so many. And it created just the most incredible pre-match atmosphere. Absolutely amazing. And then we're talking maybe 15 minutes, 10 minutes before kickoff, Lazio fans unveil their big display, their TIFO. Coloured sheets and placards, they, they hold up and it forms an eagle's body and eagle's wings. And then they roll a sheet down the middle from top to bottom and it's an eagle's head with like a really wicked pointed beak. And it's, I've got to say, it's pretty intimidating. Like the eagle is a serious... It's a serious animal. It's a serious creature. It's, yeah. yeah, and it's, it was quite intimidating. And, you know, Roma didn't do anything for five minutes. Lazio went a little bit early. Um, and we thought, right, what have they got in reply? What have they got in reply? What are they going to do? They played the anthem. The teams were about to come out. And Roma replied with this amazing, beautiful red, gold, and white display. Again, they unfurl a, ba- unfurl a banner from top to bottom. And it's the wolf of the Roma badge stood on top of a classical Roman pillar. And it is, it is absolutely wonderful. And the, the displays are just held up for like five minutes. You know, they're just showing off to each other or taunting each other. And we're sat in the middle of it, looking left to right, to left to right. And we're like, wow, we are so lucky to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and was that like, that, that was the thing, like the whole stadium was a picture and, and that's it. It was, you know, I got a panoramic at one point on my phone, which is both ends with the two displays on them. And it's, you know, just like one of those pictures, you're like this is this is really quite cool. This is, is really quite special. And look, they, there's there's little banners there as well that you know that are held up towards the bottom of them. I, I think the Lazio one says, you know, eagles do not fly in flocks, which I imagine is a really really nice way of saying everyone hates us, we don't care. Um, <laughs> and and then there was a you know the Roma one, which was basically like the she wolf of the capital embraces those who wear her colors on their heart and you're like okay yeah, this is very this is very poetic it's very me um, i'm having a nice time um, but this is the thing the, the with that and that and the holding up the displays everyone's like yeah this is cool the game's kicked off it's amazing there's flares going off as well it's, it's all very very exciting and then roma score yeah and the display's still up so anyone in that middle section under the big display of, of the banner of, of this pillar and the wolf has missed Tammy Abraham's first goal because <laughs> there's absolutely no way you could see it through this big sheet. I mean, and that's that's the next that's the next part. It's the it's the fact that Roma's except for those individuals for those two minutes, um, it was a perfect day for Roma, and it's about time we probably talk about the match itself. Tammy Abraham has the ball in the net before the clock strikes two minutes. Um, Pellegrini takes a corner that goes straight onto the bar, so he nearly scores on Olympico at the Olympico, and then Tammy kind of bundles it home. Uh, then there's like this kind of like, yes, it's joy. It's sheer joy, but it's also like a bit of relief as well, because obviously you're very nervous going into this kind of game if you're a fan of either side and getting a, a goal after about a minute and a half is a is a hell of a thing to assuage any concerns. And so a bit of a calmness sweeps over the stadium from Roma's perspective anyway. Then Roma's sort of wobble a bit. There's the next 15 minutes aren't quite so graceful. Um 
Lazio tried to target their young left wing back, Zelewski, who's only 20 and is a new face in the Roma team. And he does pretty well overall. In fact, overall, his performance was very, very good. But he does give the ball away in a really dangerous area quite early. There's a few groans. Immobile nearly gets in over the top and there's a pretty heroic uh, defensive action to stop that. But then Tammy scores again and then Pellegrini scores like a near 30-yard free kick, as you heard at the start of the of the episode. And it is absolutely amazing. And then Roma go into this game control mode. Sergio Oliveira and Brian Cristante are the perfect midfield for winding this game down and managing it. You've got players like Chris Smalling, who was genuinely imperious in the air, clearing things whenever Lazio resulted to crossing or humping it long, like Smalling was just there, was just there to clear everything. He was absolutely brilliant. And the second half was a bit of a cakewalk, which means that the last 20 minutes of the game Roma's ultras just went through their full repetition of songs uninterrupted because there was no one pausing or breaking off from song to go, oh, like that, because Lazio have nearly scored. Lazio have nothing. Rui Patricio did very little in this game. And it meant that the final 20 minutes were essentially a parade for the, for the ultras. It was amazing because in, in some ways, you know, you've been at a game, Steen, where we're a derby and you, at some point you just realize it's done. Right. Yeah. At some point you get that feeling of like, we've won this. It's okay. And the next 20 minutes are just joy, right? If there's a, you know, you're up by three with 20 minutes to go. Yes. One goal could, could start a spark a, a fight back, but especially by the time it gets to about 10, you know, it winds down. And as you get closer and closer to the clock, that feeling of there's absolutely no way we're getting done here. And, and Mourinho, I think on the 90 minute mark, they gave four minutes of, of injury time. Mourinho turns to his coaching staff and embraces them all. And you're like, okay. He knows it's done now. He knows that this is this is finished. And I think that was the most amazing thing, watching that kind of joy filter through the crowd and grow through the, the whole Roma section of being like, okay, we're 3-0 up. This is absolutely madness. You get to halftime, everyone's like, wow, I can't believe it. This is huge. But you've also got that nagging feeling that imagine if they got one straight after the break. And if you were 3-0 up in a derby and you threw it away, that would be the biggest kind of blow to morale, to confidence, and and they'd never let you forget it, right? That's the that's the whole thing about, <laughs> uh, you know, being rivals and neighbours. And so then that kind of sickening feeling of, oh my God, what happens if we don't see this through? Um, but as you get closer and closer to that final whistle, that knowledge that you've done it, that you've got one over, and especially this is the last derby of the season, yeah, until the next one, next year begins, Roma have the ascendancy and, and that's an amazing thing to witness it threading through the crowd. Now, during this point, I've, I haven't watched this game at all until this moment. So I'm, I've been watching highlights like while Sam started this point about the game. Um, first of all, the people that missed that first goal missed absolutely nothing because Tammy Abraham has scored with his knee from one yard. So that is a right <laughs> result for everybody that did miss it. Like it's one of them, the, the worst looking goals you'll ever see. It doesn't matter. Just, just they, they could just enjoy that moment. Um, secondly, yeah, like the style of that third goal, that's it. That's, that's like winning a cup final goal. Like you're three nil up, like that's it. There, there was no way, even just from watching that, that you can see Lazio turning that game around. And it looks like Tammy missed an absolute golden opportunity too to score a hat-trick. It looks like he, he's managed to skew one wide of the post from a, a position whereby you would expect him to score. That would really, yeah. I guess, have been the icing on the cake for, for Tammy to, to bag a hat-trick in this fixture. 
So it, it would have been, yeah. And, and Tammy Abraham actually is, is is the next point to raise because I think we would just focus on him a little bit more. He could have had a hat trick. He unfortunately missed a one-on-one opportunity to do so, but he still scored a brace. He had an absolutely amazing time. He was encouraging the crowd and getting them to roar, you know, like whipping his arms up and whipping the crowd into a frenzy. And this is a man who is, he really is living his best life in Rome. And it's great to see. So he, he broke a record at the weekend. Um, his two goals took him to 22 goals for the season at Roma. And it's his debut campaign. That means that he has now surpassed and broken a Roma record that was shared by Vincenzo Montella and Gabriel Battistuta, who both yeah, scored. It's not bad company, is it? Yeah, they both scored 21 in their debut campaigns for Roma. Now, some context to apply, I guess. Montella did this in 1999. Battistuta did this in the year 2000. Italian football was better then. It was probably the superior league and Italian defending was at its absolute peak. So, okay, these guys probably did it against better defenders. But Tammy has at least 10 games, if not 13, if it goes really well in the Europa Conference League, to score even more. I mean, he could legitimately score six, eight, or even... Uh, he could get 10 and 13 if Roma get to the Conference League final. He could absolutely batter this record. So then you put it back into context and go, okay, maybe the standard was a bit higher before. But he's... He's he's washed this record away. He's gonna he's gonna potentially beat it by six, eight, or or, or ten goals. And we, there's no doubt about it. This performance level from Tammy is linked to just how incredibly happy he is in Rome. And Jack and I met Marco Messina from Italian Football TV and and CBS Sports for lunch on Sunday. He had just interviewed Tammy that week, and Tammy had told him how much he loves the city, how much he loves the lifestyle, the pace. How when he walks down the streets, he gets cheers and he gets a, a good a pat on the back um, rather than maybe something a bit more sinister you might get in England that we're kind of famous for. Um, and of course, it's really sunny in Italy. So he really likes that too. And I don't blame him. Uh, we don't really get a lot of that in England either. Um, but we loved this transfer back last summer, didn't we? We put it in our top five and it's so good to see it paying off immediately. You know, you've got immediate dividends for it. And Tammy is having such a great time and is such a wonderful character it's just great to see. He dialed it back into the game and he was immense. Two goals aside, and look, Dean's put it out there that the first goal is a bundle. The second goal is a really good finish. He does really well to, to readjust his feet on the fly, um, to get on the end of that cross and to keep it down, to be perfectly mm. honest with you. It's, it's a really good finish. But Tammy as a whole was just incredible, frankly. Yeah. And, and, and actually, you look at this performance, there was a couple of players who, you know, every player in the Roma, you know, 11, aside from Rui Patricio, who didn't have anything to do. Um, was excellent, to be perfectly honest with you. But there's a couple that stand out, and Tammy Pellegrini and Henrik Mkhitaryan, who was exceptional. Uh, all those three players, I think, for me, at the top of this you know, trident, if you will, for Mourinho, who were just unbelievable. And Tammy's ability to not only press, but to win things back, to nick things off defenders when they're, you know, even if it's going out for a throw-in, he wins loads of balls just sort of in the middle of the pitch when that's, and just breaks up things, breaks up play. He looks comfortable in possession. He's driving with the ball in, in a way that perhaps we didn't quite see uh, as much when he was at Chelsea. It's more reminiscent of what he was kind of doing actually weirdly when he was on loan at like Bristol City, to be perfectly honest with you, and, and what he was achieving at that point, I think is, is a really interesting kind of complex. And, you know, to take that on, they, they love him. And, and you might have seen the things flying around on social media in the last couple of days of the crowd chanting Tammy's name after he scores. Um, and there's been a lot of this in England where people are going, you know, there's a new king of Rome. And, and I, I, I shy away from that, given that, you know, Pellegrini is 
a Roma fan and and the captain and the homegrown boy and all of that. But there is definitely this kind of feeling of of, of real love between between Tammy and and the Roma fans, and it's intriguing to to kind of see it develop, see it play out, and see him look so comfortable, and then to go on and put a performance together like that because it was just absolutely exceptional and it was so good to see. Yeah, and also it was impressive because in the first half of this season, he didn't actually score that many goals, especially in Serie A. Um, so the he's fact that he's the woodwork, got... didn't he? <laughs> yeah, and I think he had four goals up to December, something like that. And it wasn't a big issue at the time because his performances were fine, I think. I think it was, you know, it was... Um, the all-round game was fine. Scored a couple of goals in the Europa League too. So he was doing okay, but... Since the new year, like he really has seemed to hit new levels. I saw an interview with him and he was talking about how he, he watches a lot of YouTube and he said, I'm just trying to steal ideas off of better strikers than me. He's like Kane, Aguero, Lewandowski. Like I just want to steal things they were good at and put them into my game so that I get better. And I genuinely feel like he is doing that. And I don't think he would ever have been able to do this at Chelsea because you simply don't have the time. You don't have, they can't, they don't have the patience. And, you know, he did all right at Chelsea in his last season there to a certain point. And they just are always demanding something a bit better from him. And he was never going to quite fulfill all the criteria that they wanted in a number nine. Rightly not or wrongly, because they still haven't fired. They st- yeah, they st- to be honest, they still haven't found it after buying Lukaku. So who knows how long it's going to take uh, for them to actually <laughs> do that. We talked about how Kai Havertz has eventually just ended up doing it and they stumbled across it. But, for him, this has been like a fresh start. And while it was a different kind of pressure, I think it was a pressure that was in a way easier because like you say, um, fresh eyes, people that didn't make judgment of him like he would have had in England where people thought they knew that he was, I don't know, lazy or they thought he could only score tap-ins or whatever it was they thought of Tammy Abraham that wasn't true. He didn't have um, those same judgments being made of him when he went to Italy and they've taken to him and Jose Mourinho has told them like, this is your guy, like stick with him. He's going to deliver. And he is. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Just a point, Sam, on your, you know, I, I think the Montella one is, is a fair comparison because Roma finished sixth that season. But in the year that Gabby Batistuta hit those goals, Roma won the league. This is a far, you know, a far inferior Roma side in comparison to the teams around them than the one that Batistuta scored in in that debut season. And, you know, to be honest, it was it was probably closer and Roma were probably closer to the top teams in the season than Montella, even if they finished in a similar-esque position to where they are now in the table. I would suggest that Roma were probably closer to to the top. And there was those obviously fam- famous seven sisters of Italian football that Roma were very much part of. You know, this feels like they are part of a chasing pack rather than that kind of top tier at the moment. And yes, they're moving in the right direction, but also it's worth pointing out that whilst I agree with you and that Serie A was, was, was a little bit harder in terms of how good the defensive structures were, et cetera, et cetera, it was also worth pointing out that those Roma teams are probably superior to the one that Tammy finds himself in right now. Yeah, fair enough. It does link us on fi- nicely to the, the, the final point to raise, which is, of course, um, you know, what Roma can hope to achieve this season and then moving into next season. And this season, uh, obviously, this is a huge boost to the, to the final stretch in terms of confidence, in terms of momentum and winning a derby 3-0. Just, it can do all sorts for you. It's also a very good proof of concept of just how well Roma can play and how complete their performance can be. Something we haven't seen possibly enough this season. We've seen it in flashes. We've seen it sporadically. We haven't seen it enough and, and the table will tell you that. But speaking of the table, they've lifted themselves above 
their historic rivals and, and neighbours, Lazio, now in the table. And they've, of course, got the better head-to-head record courtesy of a 3-0 win. So they're in a good position here to go ahead and fight Atalanta for fifth place. They're in the Europa Conference League this year. Um, fifth place would be Europa League, so another step forward. And also, I think there's a, a quiet optimism among the Roma fan base that after the amount of investment that was given last summer and Tammy Abraham and, and, the, and the, the, the cost they paid for him is included in that, there's hope that there's going to be a bit of a second year leap from Jose Mourinho and this team. And you can see the bones of it. You know, you, you can see like it starting to formulate. And yes, it's sort of popping to the fore every now and then. They need to find that consistent formula. But you look at this team and you can see why or how it would be two or three pieces and maybe just a season of growing that we're, we're watching now away from doing something quite special and leaping up the table in a way that they haven't been able to so far. And then, of course, there's a trophy potentially on the horizon still in the Europa Conference League, Jack. Yeah, absolutely. And this is it. You'd say that maybe alongside Leicester, this Roma side are, are probably favourites. Now they have but a glimpse in this quarterfinal round too. They famously lost 6-0 to in the group stage. 6-1, sorry. Um, so it, it was one of those where you can see it um, potentially going wrong. But I think that oh, was so a younger... Not, what you're saying is there's a Jose Mourinho revenge mission on the cards. Well, this is what I actually do mean in that that was a younger, and I think it ties in nicely with what you're saying, is that that was a younger squad and, and a team that was still getting to grips with what it is and and what it has to be under Jose, under Jose Mourinho. So there is a lot here that to, to like about this Roma side. And look, I said it in the, in, in the transcript right at the top, but performances like the one at the weekend... And we saw them a little bit right at the start because we saw that kind of initial bounce was why I was so excited about Roma this season and why, to be fair, I erred and put them as, as my favourites to win the league, which was a bit excitable, a little bit happy. But if you can't dream, then what can you do? Um, but, <laughs> but ultimately, when you, when you look at what, what, this, what this team is becoming and some of these more complete performances, I think we've seen over the last couple of weeks, even when Roma don't play very well. Now, they played unbelievably at the weekend, but the week before that, they had to rescue a point from late against Udinese. And you're, but you're seeing that kind of spirit and that kind of a little bit more bite, I think, in this Roma side, which is potentially what they've been lacking for a couple of years. And, and, and that's actually an intriguing prospect if you can go forward. Now, do I think that they're going to make that jump into the top tier of, of this, the Italian team next year? Probably not. But there is also this question that is the top tier right now unbreakable in terms of where they are? And I think we've seen over the last few weeks in this title fight that there are teams with with flaws at the top of the uh, at the top of Serie A who are you know in this Scudetto race. And if Roma can become a little bit more consistent, there's no reason why that shouldn't be able to, to tick onwards. I, I do think there's still probably a little bit of depth issues. And, you know, when you lose a player, I think we saw in the derby in the first derby this year, you lose a player of Pellegrini's ability and, uh, and, and also his leadership qualities. There is a potential point there where you go, how do you replace someone like Lorenzo Pellegrini if he's not there? How do you replace Tammy Abraham if he's not there right now? And, and I think they're still struggling with quite how to get to grips with that. But I think you've seen experience come in in the likes of Sergio Oliveira in, in January, which has stiffened up this team in the middle, which has made them harder to beat, harder to break down. Um, and if they continue down this path and continue to do these things, I, I think it's a one-way ticket upwards for Roma for the, for the foreseeable future. So I am excited. Yeah, and just, just to tie that in with the fact that the teams that they're chasing right now, like, honestly, if Roma feel like they can only progress from here and can only get stronger and you're not particularly worried about them losing any of their star players, I don't think that's really anything you can say about the teams that they're trying to catch. I think they're probably potentially 
if anything, going to trend in the other direction, back towards where Roma are trying to head. You look at the fact that Juventus have had so many issues this year and you, you don't feel that that's a quick fix. You look at the fact that Napoli have had a great season, but then there's this looming threat of, you know, players, uh, other teams want Koulibaly, other teams want Victor Ozzyman. AC Milan look like they're going to lose Frank Kessie and again, operate on a bit of a budget. Like what I'm trying to say is these teams are very catchable and Roma are hellbent on closing that gap. And with Jose Mourinho and a second year leap and a really good core of players, it's really possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, nice. That's um, that's the five. A good ranking, Sam. And, you know, a special experience. I think, look, it's probably worth pointing out here that this was this felt like a real a, a real treat, a real blessing in in so many ways. And, you know, we talked about it at the time slightly on, on, on social media, but it was it was real bucket lift stuff. You know, it's stuff that you go, right, I've gone to see Roma Lazio in Rome at the Olympico and what a one honor for one and and two kind of with everything that's kind of going on right now it just felt like a a really nice thing to to be able to get out and be able to do something quite so special when when there's a lot of people who who have lots on their plate so i hope that in many ways this is something that people can use as a an escape a little bit of escapism if if things are tough and and also just uh, one of those things to just reflect on and be like what what an incredible thing we got to do there and what a special moment so i just i kind of wanted to just really say thank you um to new balance and 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 to everyone that made it possible because it was it was really quite special i was i was quite emotional in 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 lots of ways the first european football shirt i ever owned i got brought back from my aunt and uncle on a honeymoon was a totty roma shirt um and to be there watching it and with the great man himself sitting just like 20 rows in front of us and getting an ovation from the Curva Sud and, and them singing, you know, solo and capitano. And it was all just quite um, emotional and quite raw for me. So I, I just wanted to say thank you really, because it was really quite special. And I'm sat here, you know, recounting a, a wonderful weekend and a, an amazing bucket list football game sat in a Derby day, special edition Roma shirt made by New Balance. Um, feeling very lucky as well. So again, thanks from me. Absolutely. Right after the break, you're going to be telling some non-football related stories about the weekend. And of course, as ever, there's a melon of the week. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where we are going to leave Rome for a hot minute because it's time for everybody's favourite part of the week. Dean Jones, the floor is yours. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Eder Militao. Well, it could have been anyone in that Real Madrid team, to be honest, but his was a performance at the heart of the Real Madrid defence that was basically shambolic as they lost 4-0 to Barcelona. Honestly, it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen at that level of football, particularly in a game of that standing. Um I mean, it's obviously a very, very good footballer, but if you were an alien dropped into the stadium that day and had never seen a football match in your life, you'd have been able to spot that he was terrible. Um, his play was erratic at best. Uh, it was to blame for the first two goals, at least. Um, and in the second half, his body language and positioning was just all over the place. I think he was rocked himself by how badly he was playing and just struggled to overcome it. Look, these things can happen, um, but it certainly doesn't help when the team you're playing against is on the crest of a wave in that moment. And the rhythm with which Barcelona were playing gives you absolutely no time to recover. And 
Militao was just absolutely exposed. Look, this was a close run thing because Danny Carverhow was very lucky to miss out on this award. Um, it was a close run thing. He was terrible as well. Casemiro even and Alaba weren't much better, to be honest with you. Uh, I could pick out probably a couple Na- more. Nacho too. could have had it. Nacho, I mean, look. Nacho got dipped in hot sauce by uh, he did, yeah. I mean, they were all rescued, to be honest, by the p- fact Thibaut Courtois put in a 9 out of 10 performance and still conceded four goals. That's how bad this was. Um, even Vinicius, even though I don't think he played too badly, and especially in the opening stages, could have scored. Um, for his dive alone, when he when he, he let to Gerard Piquet putting an arm around him and treating him like a schoolboy, like he could have got medal of the week for that moment. But yeah, ultimately, Militao was probably the standout bad performer. It's very rare that you see a Clasico of this nature. Um, we'll never forget it. Um, so we've had an episode here where we've been talking about a different kind of derby, but um, that was a derby in Spain that is going to live long in the memory for those Barcelona fans and Real Madrid fans will want to forget it immediately. Yeah, absolutely. We did sort of 20 minutes or so on El Clasico and also we talked around the rest of the big stories in Europe, including those FA Cup games in England and a couple of mad Premier League games too. On this week's Monday Postbox, which is there for our ultras on our Patreon, if you fancy getting involved uh, on Mondays, we always do a walk through all of the biggest stories around Europe and beyond. Uh, And on Fridays, we talk through the big games uh, yet to happen in that weekend in the spotlight. Uh, The link is in the description if you fancy coming and joining us it's about the price of a pint a month uh, you get eight extra episodes a chance to join our discord server and of course the ability to ask questions on all these pods yeah. so more than that uh, actually you get, get involved. To, yeah you get to get involved in the predictions league which we are in uh, me sam and jack and the patrons are in a league sam is absolutely walking away with it right now but there's a massive scrap the relegation between, scrap the is relegation really hot. scrap's unreal um and we're all in it so you could join the patreon and actually get the chance to to predict against us too. And and that's been a lot of fun recently, although I'm not really enjoying it. Yeah, uh, Dean's having a bad couple of weeks. As, uh, he's been dragged into the relegation squad, a bit like Everton. Who we also You're calling me Everton? About. Jesus, I that's am. got bad. Right. It's real bad for you. Right. <laughs> it's the gibberish alarm. And, uh, and this week's gibberish, I'm going to rank the croquetas de jamón. <laughs> no. No, there were none of that. None of that. Thank you. Uh, this week's gibberish is back to me. And it's the tales of Rome. Three stories from our trip to Rome that are not necessarily football related, although they do. They do overlap at points. This is a lot of fun. And number three, uh, I'm going to start with a piece of traditional Italian cultural heritage. I have zero proof for this claim whatsoever. But I'm going to come in hot with it. I think that the elevator or lift in our Airbnb building is the oldest elevator in the world. The sort of thing you look at and go, yeah, I'm not using that. I'm not going to Dean, I that. thought you, you might not have got in it if you were there. It was, it was that old. Really? Yeah. yeah. It, it predates was, you. It was definitely, definitely, definitely the oldest thing in the world. But I, I took Did one look at it. Did you have to get in or could you walk up? We, we could have five flights. Mate, it was, uh, five, no, it was five. We were fifth floor and there were like, honestly like 20 steps per floor. Like, We'd be, it was like running a marathon if you wanted to go up there. So we were like, okay, we do actually have to use this death trap. But it's like one of those, it was, right, first of all, it was the, the purest of color brown I've ever seen in my entire life, which is always very off putting. Um, it was like a mesh cage, and you could see all the wiring. You could see the entire pulley system that was making it work, and all of the counterbalancing weights you could see flying up and down. It was like, it was, it was 
terrifying to look at. And it creaked as it came down, creaked even more as it went up. Even with just two people in, it felt like it was about to just snap and go. Not very pleasant at all. But having you know survived the tale, uh, survived it, and, and I can now, I can now relay to you guys. I, I guess I can appreciate that it's kind of in keeping with Rome to a point. Look, it's it's a city that is modern in parts, but you know, speckled across the city in different areas. There's ancient looking buildings, very old looking walls, ancient structures, and you know, pieces of technology and, and, and Rome as a city have done very well to preserve those parts of itself in a way that many other cities have not. I just, I, it's a bit different when you have to actually use them um, mm. and I feel like death traps. Yeah, because that does actually sound quite cool. And like, that is, to be fair, how lifts work. We just don't normally yeah. see it. <laughs> you don't like to see it. Yeah. There's nothing it's out like, of the ordinary here. It's, it's like just eating meat, but not wanting to know how it gets to that point. Like, that's kind yeah, of what I, you're I, describing. I think that if it was not a brown cage. Yeah, I no, been, I understand. I like, would sometimes have you just don't want like to see I these was things. And, yeah. More comfortable with it. Yeah, there you yeah, go. And um, yeah, how no, long has it been there? And at some point, is it going to give way one day? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Not on us anyway. <laughs> no, not on us. We were okay. Good. Anyway, number t- number two, there was a moment in a sports bar where there was the most absurd, mad mesh of world accents I think I have ever experienced in my life. So Jack and I sat in the sports bar called La Botticella, really touristy part of Rome, Piazza Navona, and we're watching El Clasico on the Sunday night. So we've returned from the Olympico and we sat down, we've got a beer and we're watching it. It was an, honestly an amazing place we kept going back to, run by a man named Giovanni, who's a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, like a Steelers memorabilia all over this bar, in addition to like loads of like college football and college basketball flags and all sorts of stuff. And we sat there watching the Classico and we were just like sort of watching the screen, so not really paying attention to what was around us. But then we were almost like withdrawn from our bubble of watching football by just the noise of what was going on around us. And it was just really strange collection of accents. And I'll try to explain exactly what it was for you. Just in front of us, there is a middle-aged Welsh couple, right? And the man is explained to his wife in a very thick Southern Welsh accent that Barcelona are appalling, right? That was the first thing we heard. To our right, there is a table of Portuguese guys who were doing a lot of shouting, to be honest with you. But as another young couple walk in and sit next to them, the guy speaks and they hear a Northern English accent and the Portuguese guys mistake it and think he's from Liverpool. So they start shouting Diogo Jota's name at him. He pulls out what I think is a Manchester United season ticket and shows them it. It was, yeah. And so they immediately start just shouting Cristiano Ronaldo at him. (laughs) Just, okay, sorry, wrong club, but they also have a Portuguese player. Let's just start talking about this. Anyway, they completely disrupt this, uh, this couple's attempt to have a nice quiet drink together. Then some bloke walks in from the toilet and shouts, I'm from Texas. And the Portuguese yeah. guys go mad. It's just unbelievable. Like, is then he goes, he goes, they go past him and he, he goes, yeah, he was just talking, I think to his friend and he was just, and they just went, Are you from Texas. And they were just like, he was just like, no, I'm not from Texas. And they were like, no, I'm not from Texas. And it was like, <laughs> what was this thing? Anyway, they had stand there for ages chatting about this bloke and the fact that he's not from Texas. He's from Louisiana. So it's not, you know, it's all a bit bizarre. He goes outside and he brings in another lad from Texas. And this guy <laughs> goes, I'm from Texas. And then the Portuguese guy's like, yes, ah, yes. Texas. Do you have, they're literally like, do you have cows in your kitchen? Do you have a gun? And like, 
we're there like, like what's going on the class goes here and at this, while this is all going on, there is another American blood just talking to a really, really, really small, but with a really thick Glaswegian accent, Scottish fella. And I'm just like, this is absolutely mm. chaos. Like, just nuts. Absolutely it's pure nuts. nuts from and then, the, start and then the, the, por- the Portuguese group leave, um, pay their bill and leave. And who comes in to sit, sit on their table? Two River Plate flat fans who are <laughs> here to watch the Super Classico against Boca, which we oh, did wow. not know was on at all until um, Giovanni changes the channel on the on the production screen and it's Boca versus River. And then we've got these two Argentinians to our right going nuts at the screen. Anyway, but shortly into that game, we do have to leave because we have a very, very early flight. In three hours at yeah. this point. Um, <laughs> but we realised at a certain point in that night and we were a bit shell-shocked and a bit tired and a bit spaced after the, the Roma game. It was a lot to take in. And uh, if we were looking for a nice, calm spot to try and enjoy the Classico, uh, we we picked the, the complete opposite of that. We were like trapped in a multicultural cyclone of accents and languages, and it was just an absolute circus. <laughs> Sounds fun. The Jack has yeah, his other accents that he uses his South London one, his Irish one, any of those. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I was too I was too tired at this point to put out any of my other accents. So my yeah. my level, my energy levels, which never really drop, were starting to drop. Yeah, right. Okay, right, so that was one. The final story. This is this is this is Jack's misunderstanding with a Lazio ultra. So we're in yeah. La Botticella. We ask Giovanni to recommend a restaurant. Where can we go for a good pizza? And he recommends one. He says, oh, my friend, my friend's a waiter at a really good one. It's about five minutes away. So Angelo. Say, cool. Ask for Angelo. Angelo. Ask for Angelo. And Giovanni gave, gave, gave us his card. He said, yeah, show him the card. Ask for Angelo. So I said, okay. And I paid the bill. And he mentions pretty casually that uh, the waiter is a Lazio Ultra. And uh, he knows that we're there working with New Balance and and. He knows that we're here to, to sort of cover the game, but also kind of like, you know, we're on, we're on the Roma side. And we've got this bag. We've got this, Jack is holding this bag. And it's to set the scene, we'd been to the Roma store earlier that day to buy the Roma shirts that we were going to wear for some of the content for New Balance. And he was just got carrying it around with him for the rest of the night. Only a little bag, but, you know, little drawstring thing, plastic one. It's got a Roma badge on the outside. Now, Jack had been watching... Du- du- like videos of the derbies he'd been watching derby days and copper 90s stuff ahead of coming to this game which is content by the way great content but he was he'd become very worried about this derby he was he's feeling he was feeling very uncertain even as far back as thursday you know two days before we went we knew that he was feeling a little bit uh insecure about about the the potential safety element or whatever of this fierce this fierce rivalry which you know, just to put by the way, Jack, just like watching watching a compilation like that is is very it's a very silly thing to do. I'm gonna compare it to watching a compilation of plane crashes before stepping onto a long haul flight is essentially what you did. Yeah. Now, we'd gone and bought these shirts, we had the Roma bag, and as it was mentioned that the restaurant we were gonna to go to, the waiter was a Lazio Ultra, I think the the dread sort of seeped back into Jack just a little bit. Um, he was holding this bag and he looked at me and was like, um, okay, what do, we, you know, what do we do here? So as we walk into the restaurant, Jack puts the bag under his jacket and hides it, right? Shoves it underneath, hides it, and sort of scuttles over to the table very quickly and puts it under the table and kind of no one saw it and it was all good, all good. Meal goes fine, stand up, pay, leave. We leave the restaurant. Jack puts the bag un- back under his jacket to hide it again from the waiter. We're like 
15 meters, 20 meters away from the restaurant. And the waiter comes running after us and shouts after us. And we stop and turn around and he asks to see what Jack Hunt has under his jacket. And so no Jack way. is like, Jack is like, oh no. What the hell? Oh my Jack's God. up for a scrap. I bet he was relishing it. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, no. No. Um, Jack, Jack, Jack looked, I wish I had a picture. Jack looked absolutely terrified. Absolutely terrified. Anyway, Jack takes the bag from under his jacket and shows the Lazio Ultra, the Roma badge and the, and the, and the guy just goes, oh, okay. And walks off. And I just pissed myself laughing. And Jack looks around to me and goes, what the hell? And I was like, it created a bulge in his jacket as he was leaving. He and the waiter had stolen the plates and stuff. He thought, he thought Jack had robbed the place. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes tearing right. after him and asks to see what's under his jacket. Jack's terrified to show him the Roma badge because he's going to show a Lazio fan a Roma badge. And really the guy just thinks he's robbed the place. And I'm honestly like the next three minutes, I'm just like, I just can't breathe from, from, oh, from, from laughter. Right, the anxiety fun. really was deep set, wasn't it? Well, it was just the way the casualty, you know, casualty of was like, oh, just ask for Angelo. He's a, he's a Lazio Ultra. I was like, right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, he is also a professional <laughs> waiter. It would have been fine. Yeah, saying, that doesn't um, all mean they're all like really, really nasty people. Like, no, of course not. But like, I was just like, I'm not really stay, willing to stay at risk. You know, it's not. <laughs> but anyway, in, in doing so. I, was like, I didn't want so, him to poison my food. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> in doing so, he made it look like he robbed the place. And so he got accosted and stopped, but it turned out it was okay anyway. <laughs> Had actually bought the shirts. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah exactly. exactly. So there we have it. There's uh, Sam's best three stories Brilliant. from Rome. Thank you, Sam. Very, very well done. Nice um, and on that bombshell, I think we're probably going to call this one a day. Uh, and all the stuff for me to do is say thank you very much to Dean Jones. Oh, cheers, mate. Thank you very much to Sam Ty. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much to New Balance who have facilitated this entire trip and this entire episode. Um, it's been a real pleasure and a real honour uh, working with you again. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for listening as ever. We'll see you next week. Take it easy. Peace.